Live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel, it's Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Now, here's Eric Allen and Eric Coleman. Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. As the New York Jets started the second quarter of the 2018 season, we knew they needed a response. And Todd Bowles said following a 34-16 win over the Denver Broncos, that was our brand of football. What kind of football did you see from the green and white on Sunday? I saw, I saw some tough football from the green and white. You know, the, the Jets did a great job, especially on the offensive line, setting the tone early. You know, they, they really came out and punched Denver in the, in the face and continued to, to lay down the law and impose their will upon the Broncos. Uh, defensively, they were the same way. Physical up front, stopped the run. It was great team, it was great team football, and everyone on the team, as you saw, Everyone did their job, and everyone contributed to this victory. No, I thought the Jets showed some metal because I was talking about all week, e, this team had to come out and start fast. They had only mm -hmm. seven first-quarter points throughout the first quarter of games, and there was a turnover early. Denver punched it in with Case Keenum throwing a touchdown pass, 7 nothing, and then you got the feel what was going to happen. Then Isaiah Crowell took one to the house in the Whole tenor of that ball game changed. <laughs> and that, that was great to see. You know, you, you see the, the early turnover. It kind of took the wind out of their sails a little bit. But then that offensive line decided, you know what, we're going to dominate this game. We're going to open up some holes for Isaiah Crowell. He took advantage of it, made a couple of guys miss, and, and really re revitalized his team, got the crowd into the game, and they took off and never slowed down. Inside the Jets is supported by Selective Insurance. Response is everything. Kelvin Beecham will be here tonight, the Jets' left tackle. So will a record-breaker, Isaiah Crowell. It all started up front with the offensive line. The Jets rushed for 323 yards. This franchise has been around since 1960 when they were, remember the Titans, the New York <laughs> Titans. That was the second most yardage they had produced on the, gar uh, on the ground in franchise history. How did it happen up front? Well, I, I think a lot of people... Uh, don't understand that this offensive line hasn't had too much time to work together. They're starting to gain that chemistry together. Um, everyone's healthy. They're getting that continuity. They're gelling with one another. And, and they're really starting to get into their groove. You know, Sam Darnold's doing a great job of throwing the football, but it all starts with the run game because that sets things up for Sam. And you can see it this, this past week. The run game started going, and it's no coincidence that Robbie Anderson had a couple of deep shots down the field in man-to-man -man coverage. How about those shots? How important are they for the Jets moving forward? That was the first three-touchdown performance of Sam Darnold's career. And we saw the shots against Jacksonville. There weren't the completions. Now Robbie Anderson gets on the board. I think he had three catches for 143 yards. That's a typical Robbie Anderson <laughs> game where he's averaging more than 40 yards per catch. And then Darnold did a nice job in the red zone late to put the nail in the coffin Beautiful throw to Terrell Pryor. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. It started last week when, you, when you, they took a couple of shots. They took four shots down the field, didn't connect on them. But Sam Darnold said it's only a matter of time before we start to connect. And you can see that they've been working together in practice. Robbie Anderson and Sam are starting to get into a groove together, and, and, it's, and it's showing out there on the field. They took some more shots this week. They connected on all of them. And, you know, that loosens things up. 
if, if you're a defender. You have to respect the deep ball. And it, may, it opens things up for the run game, and they work hand in hand. And it's, and it's a tough spot to be in if you're a safety, giving up deep shots and chunks in the run game. Well, that's my next question. Beautiful transition by Eric Coleman, as always. <laughs> what do you do as a safety? If they're pounding the rock at you, a lot of times you're going to say, you know what, we're going to play single high back there. We've got to put somebody else in the box. You play single high against the New York Jets. You are taking your chances against Robbie Anderson. You, you are taking your chances, and, and the only option is to bring a safety, dedicate him to that box, or play cover four, which your safety's lined up around 10 yards. So either way, you're vulnerable to a deep shot on the outside. And, you know, the, the Jets running the football so effectively, if I'm a safety and Isaiah Crowell is running and it looks like the Red Sea is parting in front of me, that's a difficult tackle for a safety to make. I'm going to inch closer and I'm going to start keep getting closer and closer so I don't have to make that difficult tackle. I mean, as you saw in the 77-yard run by Crowell, that safety was in a tough spot. Yeah. He made a business decision to turn down a tackle. <laughs> but, you know, who wants to see Isaiah Crowell running full speed in the middle of a hole? What kind of adjustments did you see from the defense? Um, because the Broncos were getting it moving on the ground with Philip Lindsay, and then it seemed like the Jets took that away, and then they got after the quarterback. Yeah, it was great to see. You know, there was a lot of movement up front. You know, I saw Leonard Williams playing the defensive end position. I saw him doing some stunts from outside. You know, Todd Bowles did a great job of mixing up the play calling. They, they added some blitzes in there and really got after the quarterback and, and, and Stop that run early. You know, Phil, like you said, Philip Lindsay, you know, an undrafted rookie who's been playing very well this season, started off, started off on fire. Yeah. Then it, was, it seemed like they went back to the huddle and said, you know what, it's time to put a stop to this. They started playing some games. They got tough up front, and, and they limited the big plays. Each week this coaching staff says Leonard Williams is a consistent force out there. Sometimes he's just not going to get the numbers because he might be double teamed and might be going away from him. Yesterday, he got the results, a pair of sacks. And he, uh, listen, when he's going and this defense has a lead, they can really tee off. Yeah, you know, and, and I tell people that all the time. When, when a team has a lead, that's when the defensive line really shines. They get to pin their ears back, get after the quarterback, start getting penetration. They don't have to play it as honest because they know that team is in a situation where they need to pass to, to create some chunk plays to get back into the game. And Leonard Williams, these last couple of games – you're starting to see him getting into his groove. Yeah. He, you know, no pun intended, but he's starting to let his hair down a little bit. <laughs> you know, he, he was stuck playing within the defense, playing within the scheme of things. Now he's doing that and taking it to the next level, and you start to see that, that all-pro defensive lineman. How impressive was what the Jets did in the secondary on Sunday against the Broncos? Tremaine Johnson, this, he's the big prize item in free agency, gave him a big-time deal, quad injury, can't go. So that means Morris Claiborne shifts over to that number one position. Then Buster Screen, he went out, unfortunately, with a concussion. So that means Daryl Roberts has to step up. And a rookie, Perry Nickerson out of Tulane, a sixth-round pick. He's forced into action. I thought those guys responded. They did a great job, and it's that next man up mentality. And, you know, that secondary, you know, they call themselves New Jack City, but they are really a, a tight-knit group, and they believe in you're only, as weak, you're only as good as your weakest link. And so everybody gets coached up the same way. Everyone gets critiqued the same way. That way, when someone goes down, you go into the game, you have the same expectations as, as the starter when you're, when you're backing up and you fill in on that secondary. There was great communication across the board, which eliminates a ton of mistakes. And Perry Nickerson uh, really stepped up this game. You know, I'm proud. It's, it's great to see a young player step into that nickel position and play such a good game. All right, finally here before a break, 
104-yard interception return from Marcus May <laughs> on the final play of the game, but he gets tackled at the one-yard line. What did oh, you think about that? Oh, I was cracking up the whole time. You know, he was running all over the field, and then all of a sudden he got about to the 50, and you saw his back tighten up. Everything slowed down. It looked like he was running in sand. You know, but it was great to see. That's the way to end the game. You know, got the interception in the end zone. You know, he could have downed it. He could have slid, but he went for the throat, and I commend him on that. I only wish – he had a little extra burst so he can get into that end zone. You know who wanted that football? 33. <laughs> Jamal Adams wanted the pitch. He's trying to get the pitch. Oh, yeah. Instead of blocking, he's going to ask for the pitch. Uh, uh, don't worry about it, Marcus May. Your Gators took down <laughs> the LSU Tigers on Saturday. We're going to come right back here on Inside the Jets with tackle Calvin Beecham and Isaiah Kroll will be on later as well. De izquierda, Franco se descuadra, cruza la 25, la 30, la 40, la 50, prende el turbo, la 30, la 20, la 10, yeah. sí, 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 señor. Touchdown, Nueva York, Isaac Crowell. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at the Wyndham Hamilton Park. Our player guest segment is presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Let's welcome in Calvin Beachum. What's up, big dog? How you doing? Yeah. Doing well, doing yeah. well. Thanks for having me. Uh, I have to alert everybody, you are not listening to ESPN Deportes. That was the right call. Isaiah Corral taking it to the house in any language. That sounded great. Now... 323 yards on the ground. Have you ever been part of an effort like that in the National Football League? Even go back to your college or high school days. Um, 323. 323. I have to look at the, the history books to, to double check. Uh, may have done that in, in Pittsburgh. Um, high school, no. College, maybe got close. Zach Lyon yeah. uh, was a running back. Uh, we're trying to go after Eric Dickinson's record. Nice. <laughs> uh, but I don't think, not, not a day like that. Not a day like that. It was special. So, so what, is it, what does it do for an offensive line when you see everyone doing their job, getting a hat for a hat, and your running back springs loose for a 77-yard run? What does that do for your confidence as a line? Man, I'm just going over to the sideline to go sit down. <laughs> Honestly. You know, but, you know, for the confidence level of an offensive lineman, is great. It means everybody was on the same page. This particular play, and uh, our running back made it made us look good. You know, I know he talks about us making him look look good, but he really made us look good with an opportunity like that. When 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 that happens, do you go back to the sidelines and say, you know what, I think we got him today? Is it a feeling that you have that you you're going to dominate the guy in front of you, and, and you feel like you can do it all game? You know, you you go into every game expecting to do that, uh, but in the National Football League, man, you never know. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's just just how it is. You played this game, you know how it is. You may be able to dominate a guy for the, for the first two quarters but not be able to do it throughout the game. And it was, uh, it was great to be able to do it throughout the game. But why did it click? Uh, everything clicked on Sunday. And that was a Denver rush defense that came into that ball game, Calvin. Top ten in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great defense. You know, I think, you know, I really got to give credit to our coaches. They did a great job of putting us in a great position, um, listening to us, you know, some of the plays that we liked, and, and they put some things in. Um, but it was, it was a team effort. It's not, you can't point to, to, to one entity or one unit uh, that, that was, you know, that deserves all the praise. It was, it was a team effort, and everybody contributed. What was different about the mentality? You talked about after the game that, we had to play nasty. We had to play with an edge. When was that discussed, and when did you know that was actually transpiring on Sunday? You know, um, 
Coach Bates talked about this the night before the game. He was like, just go play angry and ended the meeting. That was it. Go play angry. Um, and it's one of those things as, as an offensive lineman, that's what you, again, that's what you're supposed to do. But, you know, we haven't done it uh, consistently throughout the year. We've had spurts and quarters and things where we've ran the ball effectively. But to be able to do it throughout the whole game, that's what we're after. That's the standard. And after looking at the film, we still left some yards out there. We still had some tackle for losses. So even in seeing uh, a dominant performance like that, there were still opportunities where we still could have ran for even more and had even more, more gashes. So, so as an offensive line, as an offense in general, what does it do? Talk about how it opens up the playbook when you're able to, to run the football effectively at the beginning of a game. You know, when you're able to do that, for one, you talked about it earlier, you're able to bring the secondary up where you have that opportunity to go over the top. It makes play actions a lot easier yeah. where, you know, you got a, a defensive end, you got, you know, 58 and, and, and 55 who we had this weekend where they really stopped in the middle of the rush because they thought it was a run and then you got <laughs> – you know, Sam still has, has the ball, and then he's, you know, taking it over the top and throwing, you know, throwing, throwing a bomb. And that's, a, that's for me, as a, as a tackle, that's great because I'm not just having a, a defensive lineman just tearing off because, we, you know, we just have to throw the ball. And you mentioned it earlier. You know, for a defense, when a defense has the, the upper hand and the score is in their favor, they can just tee off. But when they have to respect the run, we're about to screen. We also had a screen in there to, to, uh, to, to Big E that went for, I think, 20 or 30 yards. When you have those explosive plays, you know, it gives that defense something else to think about. Uh, Jets Reward members, don't forget to enter the code WATCH in your Jets Rewards portal during the show to earn 100 points. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman joined by Jets left tackle Kelvin Beecham. Um, sometimes during the week, I got to be honest with you, I'm apprehensive to go up to you big guys, the tackles, and say, hey, what do you think about this premier pass rusher? Do you get tired answering the questions? Last week, of course, it was, what are you guys going to do against Von Miller? And then they have a top draft pick in Bradley Chubb and then Shane Ray and all that. You guys get asked about the edge guys each and every week. You know, the thing is, is you can either take it as a challenge or you can get into a shell. You know, the thing is, is when you're able to talk about a premier rusher and then you're actually able to go out and perform well against a premier rusher, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a check mark to an extent, you know. Uh, but the thing is, is, and I said this earlier, you know, with media and also yesterday after the game, it's great to do it one time, but how can we stack that performance on top of each other? And we have an opportunity coming up where we know that there, there are some premier rushes on that. Now, they're not, it's not Von Miller, but it's still some premier rushes on the opposite sure. side of the ball. And we've got to find a way to keep our quarterback clean. So, so everyone knows that success breeds complacency. Mm -hmm. You know, it happened in week one. How do you prevent it? It does feel different. Mm -hmm. After this win, the demeanor of the locker room seems different. Everyone seems to be more mature. But as a leader on this team, how do you dictate how, how everything goes in preparation to next week? You know, for one, I think as, as, a, as a veteran leader, it's one in the messaging that we've talked about thus far is what are we talking about after the game? What are we talking about the day after the game? All right, the game is over with. It's Monday. You got your 24 hours. It's, it's over with. Now when we come back, you know, Tuesday is our day off, tomorrow is our day off. Wednesday we come back in the building and everybody's mind should be right on Indianapolis. What are we doing this week? What are we doing today to make sure that we maximize what we're doing, you know, with the game plan? What are we, you know, where is our focus at? And then when we go out on, the, on the, the practice field, our energy level has to be high. It has to be pads cracking on Wednesday. You know how Wednesday is. It has to be that way. And we have to have a very uh, physical and an intense practice on Wednesday to set the stage for the week. Strong words from you today. Here's a quote from the conference call. Kelvin Beecham with Jets reporters. We have to grow up and find a way to string together wins and 
get a winning streak instead of losing streaks. Of course, you guys started the season in victorious fashion. 48-17 thrashing over, over the Detroit Lions. How important is it for you guys right now to follow up this victory over Denver where you were just as impressive and take care of business against the Colts? 1-0 yeah. this week. It's all that matters. What do we have to do to be 1-0? How can we go into this game plan? And I don't know what the game plan is for Indy yet. I've only watched one game uh, thus far. I know the coaches are watching a lot of film today uh, and tomorrow as well. But what are we going to do from a game plan standpoint to make sure that we run the ball effectively again and be able to keep Sam clean? Yep. Our defense going to do their job. We know, you know, New Jack City, the D-line, they're going to do their job. But on offense, especially us, you know, up front, what are we going to do to make sure that our job is done well and done consistently throughout the game? Is there a different mentality offensively when you're going up against an Andrew Luck? You know, a guy who throws the ball 49 times a game, has the ability to light up the scoreboard. I don't plan on that against your defense, but is there a different mentality offensively knowing that, that it could possibly be a shootout? You know, the thing is, as Coach Bowles does this quite a bit, it's about us. We can't worry about what, what Andrew has to do, what their offense has to do. Just worry about us. If we do our job on offense, if we run the ball effectively, we, you know, I don't know if we're going to have another 300-yard game. That's not, that's not, not the goal. You, that's not, that. you know, you can't count on that. The it, thing is, is, is we need, you know, we got to have three yards, four yards, seven yards, ten yards, four yards, three yards, two yards. We have to string consecutive drives together and not have three and outs so we can keep our defense fresh and let them do what they do. But at the end of the day, let's worry about us. Let's take care of us and let everything else, you know, take care of itself. What have you liked most of uh, your rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, who threw three touchdowns and 198 yards and for 198 yards against the Broncos? It's the same guy. Yeah, it's the same guy when he walked in uh, in May. Uh, it's the same guy that I saw when I left the locker room today. It's the same guy. He doesn't change. He's not about these, these ebbs and flows that go along, you know, with the NFL season. He's the same guy. He's steady. When he comes into the huddle, it's the same guy. When we were, when, when we were having lows, you know, a couple weeks ago, he was the same guy. And you got to respect that, especially as a young cat. Um, he's not into, you know, into social media. He's not really following what people have to say. You can tell that none of that stuff bothers him. All he cares about is winning, making sure his preparation is on point. He's following Josh, and him and Josh are, you know, peas in a pot always together. They're doing everything that they can to make sure that he's ready um, and capable um, and prepared to go into the game. What's he like in that huddle? Same guy. Like, yeah. what, you, like what you see <laughs> in, in an interview is what you, what, what you get out of Sam. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he comes in the huddle, commands the huddle, that, and that's one thing that, you know, as a, as a, a guy that's been around the league a little while, is how does he how does he command the huddle? Right. Is, is he coming in and he's and he's timid? Is he looking down at the ground? No, he's looking at every everybody. He's looking eye to eye with everybody, calling the play, you know, r rushing people in and out the huddle. You know, hey fellas, let's keep the tempo. Like he's he's commanding the huddle like you want uh, a quarterback to do, and he's doing it really well right now. Uh, Calvin, you're involved in a ton of things off the field. Obviously, you just had a great day on the field, but let's talk about. World Food Day, the match challenge that you're involved in. So, uh, you know, this is funny. I actually brought this to the, the offensive line council today. You know how offensive line, we got our fine pool oh, yeah. and stuff. So actually brought this to the offensive line today to, to, to solicit uh, some of our fine money okay. uh, to be able to actually contribute to this. But what I did was I'm donating $5,000 uh, to five food banks, um, pretty much every community that I've, I've come in contact with, both uh, high school, college, 
my, my early years in Pittsburgh and Jacksonville and also here in New York. I'm donating $5,000, asking uh, the communities in those prospective areas to, to come alongside me. And if we raise that $5,000, I'll match uh, and put another $5,000. So it'll be $10,000 from me to each one of those food banks. And uh, we're well on the way, about halfway there here in New York. Um, got a, a curse uh, and Big Steve McClendon to, to donate, do a little something today. Sam putting in a little something. Uh, the O-line is going to do something. So excited about um, how things are going with that mass challenge so far. Why this cause? Why this cause? This has been something I've been doing for years. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an offensive lineman. We love to eat. You know, I want to make sure that people don't, that, that, that don't have food have the access to, to have, have food. And if you look at the numbers, one in, I think it's one in five children don't know where their next meal is coming from here in America. And that's a problem. And for me, I want to be a part of the solution, not just talking about it. So if you're in the tri-state area, how can you support? How can you support this cause? How can you, uh, you know, how can the fans yep. go about it? So, you know, uh, regarding this challenge, you can go to KelvinBeacham.com, uh, select uh, uh, the New York City Food Bank, donate there. And if you're in the tri-state area, there are a number of food banks. So you got one in New Jersey, you have one in New York. And just find a way to get involved. You know, it's, the thing is here in New York, if you um, donate a dollar, that provides 10 meals. So just your dollar uh, will do a lot for, for, the, for the community that you're a part of. But the um, numbers are staggering. You're trying to raise as much as $75,000, and that would provide roughly 375,000 meals. That's correct. It's, it's something else. Yes, sir. That's, that's a beautiful thing. As someone, you know, growing up, I had to go to food banks. Our family had to do that. I appreciate what you're doing, using this platform to raise uh, awareness yes, and, and, and feed a lot of people. Yes, sir. You know, I don't, I don't know if you were. I was on food stamps, so yep. I, I know I was on WIC, Women's Infants and Children. So I understand uh, what that life is to be one of those kids uh, that didn't know where that next meal is coming from. So, you know, to have this platform and be able to give back, uh, for me, is really, a, is really a blessing right now. But when did you decide, if you were going to get this platform, that you were going to be active in the community? Because you could get here and say, hey, listen, I was raised on food stamps. I didn't have a lot as a kid, and now I've made it, and I'm good. You know, the thing is, I did this in college. So even before I got money, I yeah. uh, was finding a way uh, to, to do things and be able to, to, to be a positive contributor to, to my community. So even before I got, you know, this platform and got these funds, was doing uh, work with the North Texas Food Bank, which is one of the food banks that, that's on that list that I'm donating to. So this hasn't been something that just started when I got to the National Football League. This has been something that I've been doing for years. And, and what else are you involved in off the field? Because I think some folks got a chance... <laughs> to watch One Jets Drive yep. on Facebook Watch yep. throughout the offseason, things like that, yep, because you are a guy who's not just working out in the offseason <laughs> and also being very active in terms of uh, uh, charitable causes. Yep. You know, I got my cattle back at home. Yep. You know, uh, you know I, I, love my, I love my cattle. I love being in the country a little bit, uh, but at the same time, I can... I can take off the, the nasty clothes and the, the manure and, and the cowboy boots, and I can go put on a suit and go into a corporate setting and have started to, to, to invest in companies. Actually, got one of the, the companies I've invested in, Affinity, uh, a CRM, uh, that's doing pretty well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm multifaceted. The thing is, you don't know when this game is going to call you. You yeah. don't know when your last snap is going to be. Um, 2015, I blew my knee out, didn't know what the, you know what the next steps were, so started putting things in place. Uh, so when the time comes, I'll be ready. You just talked about it that you blew your knee out 2015. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time where you thought, hey, I don't know if I'll be back to 100%? Mm -hmm. And where are you right now looking back? You know, I, did, I didn't know where, where it was, man. I can, I can really say I went into a, a state of depression. Um, you know, my wife is here. 
uh, sat on the recliner for 10 days just soaking, just yeah. mad, mad at the world. Um, didn't know what was going to happen, but, you know, um, had a great support system, had great teammates at the time, had great friends that, that kind of got me out of that rut. Because the thing is, is you know, you've been – I was a seven-round pick. I wasn't a highly, you know, highly – Drafted guy, so I didn't know it was contract year as well. I just saw um, JHI just, you know, just got hurt in yep. the contract year. You know, that's it's a, it's a lot of stress. You know, just had my daughter at the time, so uh, thinking about a lot of different things and a lot of different scenarios that were happening at the time. But found a way to get out of it. Um, but at the same time, just knew that I had to have a plan. You know, if if football didn't work out, you know, I had to have something uh, as a next step to get ready to go into. Do you talk to the fellas, the young guys who come in to that locker room and say, "Hey, listen." Yeah, you got to take care of your body. You got to be a professional, but you got to look out for folks in the community who you can help and use your platform like you have, and also be diverse in terms of your skill set because there's more than just football. You know, the thing is, is, is the Jets have done a, a great job of, of providing resources. Dave, Dave Zott and Montel yep. um, in the building do a phenomenal job of making sure that guys are putting steps in place, whether it's continuing education, whether it's financial literacy. You know, uh, uh, Dave Zotta actually had a, a veterans financial literacy program today after practice at 3 p.m. for veterans to come in and just continue to fine-tune what they're doing from a financial standpoint. So, you know, the Jets have done a phenomenal job of, of, of having a, a, a system where you can come in and, and welcome those types of questions. Um, but as far as talking to young guys, for me, I, I, I want to look at what you're doing first. Find out what you're doing so I can get a sense of how to build a relationship with you first. And then, you know, as I get to know you a little bit, I, you know, I drop a little nugget here or there, and, you know, hopefully it flourishes from there. Now, when I came into the Jets locker room, I had uh, Ray Mickens, mm -hmm. Curtis Martin. These are guys who are stars in the football field but also handle their business off the field mm -hmm. as far as getting into businesses, investments, and things like that. Who were, the, who were the guys that you looked up to when you were young in this league? Were there other guys who got into businesses and kind of taught you the way? Mm -hmm. You know, I had guys like uh, Max Starks, mm -hmm. um, Willie Colon, uh, who I, I consider him almost like an older brother to me, had me cooking chicken at 3 in the morning, uh, <laughs> you know, during my, my, my rookie days. Uh, but, you know, one of the guys, I, I rode his coattail, just continued to learn from him. Um, you had uh, Heath Miller, uh, Brett Kiesel, you know, Ben Roethlisberger at the time, uh, Troy Palomalo, just had a great group of people in front of me, uh, James Harrison, um, you know, early on in my career that were doing great things on the field, doing great things off the field. It just showed me how to make sure that I master um, this opportunity that I have right now. Well, uh, Kelvin, a great spot. Um, tremendous outing on Sunday with you and the rest of the offensive line. And, hey, I'll tell you what. It's October 16th. It is World Food Day. Mm -hmm. KelvinBeecham.com. Check it out. Um, wish you could continue success. Yes, sir. We will be right back on Inside the Jets. Third and nine, drops the throw, fires one down the left seam, Robbie Anderson runs under it and he's gone! At the 30, at the 20, 10, 5, leaps into the end zone, that's a jet touchdown! Robbie Anderson streaking down the left side of the field, and Sam Darnold drops a dime, and the Jets have the lead. Welcome back to Inside the Jets, Eric Allen and Eric Coleman. We are broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, building a better working world. Well, things work a lot better for the Jets when offensively you got balance. How about this guy, Kelvin 
uh, Calvin Beecham, who's come in and given the Jets stability at the left tackle position the last two years. Yeah, everyone was worried about that left tackle position when DeBrickishaw Ferguson decided to hang him up, but Kelvin has done a great job of filling in. And it shows how tough he is and how smart of a player he is and how athletic he is. He's not the biggest tackle you've seen. You know, DeBrickishaw is about 6'6". Kelvin's about 6'3", very athletic. He's handling their best pass rusher every single Sunday, and he's stepped up to the challenge so far this season. And E, he is a heady guy, and he's got those leadership qualities that you like saying, hey, we have to grow up. What's your reaction to that when you hear a veteran come out and send a message to the rest of the guys in the room like that? That's, that's what this team needs. They, they need someone who's going to be a realist and, and to let you know that don't look forward to us running for 300 yards every week. It's not going to be, uh, you know, uh, it's not going to be easy every no. week. You know, this is going to take a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. Everyone's going to have to be accountable to do their job. And that game is behind us. Now we have to move on to the next one and continue to, to take it one game at a time. So if you're Todd Bowles right now, what is your message to the guys when they get back to work on Wednesday? Because you're going to have a little bit of a Detroit aftermath in terms of what people externally are saying, not mm -hmm. internally. People externally are going to say, you guys are great. You guys are going to roll over the Colts. You know what's going to happen right now. So if you're Bowles, how do you dress the fellas. That, that's pretty easy. You know, you set the tone early uh, in that Wednesday meeting by, by showing Andrew Luck throw the football <laughs> and, and show his skill set and to let everyone know they're one and four, but they're not. They're, this is a great team that can light up a scoreboard. All right. We just had a little audio issue, but we're continuing to rock and roll here. E. Uh, like you said, Andrew Luck, he's come back from shoulder surgery we didn't know what he was going to be this season he guys coming out and playing at an unbelievably high level he is i mean listen andrew luck is throwing 49 times a game and if anyone had any questions about his arm strength is his shoulder healed he's shown them i you know i just can't think that the colts want him throwing the ball that much but unfortunately this is a team that's put themselves in the position where they have to play from behind Play, play catch up and throw the ball around the field. So he definitely has the weapons to do it. But this team is this team is a good team, but they're not where they want to be. Yeah, they don't have the balance right now offensively, like you mentioned. When you look at the Colts' season so far; they're playing from behind an awful lot. So no pun intended. They're putting a lot on Luck's shoulders. I think he's had in the last two games combined over 120. Pass attempts. Yeah, that's, that's unacceptable. If, you, if you're an offensive coordinator, if you're a head coach, you can't have your quarterback throwing the ball that much. You, you have to find some way to run the football, which I expect. You know, if I'm the Colts, my, my number one goal this week offensively is to set the tone in the run game, much like the Jets did last week. So the Jets defense is going to have to hunker down, prepare for the run attack, all while dealing with the, with the receivers on the perimeter with the injuries to the secondary. What do you think about the AFC East right now? The Jets are 2-3. and three. The Bills snuck out a victory playing good defense against the Tennessee Titans. They're not getting much out of Josh Allen right now, uh, but they are 2-3. and three. And as we expected... The Patriots have righted that ship. They're 3-2. and two. Miami had a big lead over Cincinnati. It couldn't hang on, so now they're 3-2. and two. This is a tough division, and it's always been one of the tougher divisions in the NFL. You know, there might not be two or three teams coming out of the playoffs out of this division because they beat each other up. You know, Buffalo, you know, down at the bottom of the, of the division, they're, they're a tough out no matter when you play them. 
Miami, they got hot early, yeah. but they're starting to cool down a little bit. They still have great pass rush. Tannehill's still playing good football. And, and when you go up to New England, you, you said it. They're right in the ship. You know, they got Edelman back. Josh Gordon, they're getting him into the fold. And they're starting to click on all cylinders. So this is a tough, this is a tough division. The Jets, if they can continue to handle their business, you know, go into this game, come out with a victory. They have three games in a row at home. Last week, this next week, and then, if, listen, if they can finish with three home wins, they put themselves in a great position to contend for the AFC East. Hear me out on the schedule this weekend. The Jets, obviously hosting the Indianapolis Colts, a 1-14. New England's got a tough ball game coming up. They host Kansas City on Sunday night football. And Patrick Mahomes is doing crazy things with the football right now. That offense is as explosive as any in the National Football League. Miami's got a tough ball game. They're facing the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, those are two tough matchups. And you talk about New England playing against Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, he's a young guy. And he's having a lot of success. Everyone's waiting for that game to when he slows down. I don't see him slowing down anytime <laughs> soon. You know, Andy yeah. Reid is an offensive mastermind. They seem to jail perfectly. He's got some weapons out in the perimeter. Uh, this is going to be a tough one for, for New England. And when you look at Miami going against Chicago, I mean, all you have to say is Khalil Mack. I'm just I mean, saying it's possible that all these teams are 3-3 three and three Sunday night. We'll have to see. This. Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight going yeah. down the stretch. All right, we got one more segment to go here on Inside the Jets. We'll be right back. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at the Wyndham in Hamilton Park. Back to throw. Darnold looks left, throws left towards the end zone. Terrell Pryor, one-handed catch. Does he have it? He does. Jet touchdown. What a catch by Terrell Pryor. Another touchdown pass for Sam Darnold. For Pryor, it's his first as a Jet. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. We are broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Inside the Jets is supported by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman on hand. Final segment here. Let's go back to March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. The Jets own the number six overall selection in the draft, and Mike McKagan says, that's not good enough for me, even though I selected... Leonard Williams with the number six overall pick with my first overall pick as general manager of this ball club. And two years later, oh, by the way, I landed Jamal Adams with the number six overall pick. I got to go up. They make a deal with the Indianapolis Colts, sending three second-round picks and that, six sec uh, that number six overall selection to Indianapolis in exchange for the number three overall selection. What did you think of the trade at the time? And what do you think of the trade now? At the time, I, I was very excited. You know, the fact that they're moving up to the number three slot. There were a lot of teams that needed a quarterback that were going to try to make some deals to get in front of the Jets to get either Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or Josh Allen. And I love the aggressiveness. I thought it was, I thought it was planned out. I, however, I did not think Sam Darnold was going to be there at number three. I thought for sure he was going to be the number one pick to the Cleveland Browns. And when the Browns didn't select him, my heart, my heart got warm. I got excited. You know, I got excited that Sam Darnold was coming to New York. I thought he's an excellent fit for this team, and I still do. I think it's a great trade. Uh, it, it, it's going to be great. The Jets have a franchise quarterback who's going to lead this team for years to come. Now, four days later after that trade, Darnold had a pro day at USC. It never rains in Southern California, but on this day, it rained. And the Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam, is sitting in the stands with Sam Darnold's parents. 
at that time, he, I thought, Darnold's going to be a Cleveland Brown. Absolutely, and he had an excellent pro day. Yes, the ball he did. was raining. He was, he was gripping it. He was throwing the ball well. And if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I would have looked at that and said, you know what, this is our guy. But, you know, to the credit to the Browns, yeah. Baker Mayfield, he's, is, playing is having well. a, he's having a phenomenal season so far. He started the last couple of games. They're playing good football. Uh, I think the Browns and the Jets both won in the situation. We'll see what happens with the Colts with those, with those three number two picks. As a guy who played in the National Football League, does it impress you when Kelvin Beecham comes on this show and says, you know, Sam Darnold is who he is. He never changes. He's a flatliner. He's 21 years old, and he's always like this. And he said, this kid takes command of the huddle. I loved it. I loved it. That's what you need out of your quarterback. You need an even-keel person that doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, you know, doesn't beat himself up, and, and has that respect from that offense and from the team. You know, that quarterback position, you know, he runs the offense, but he's the general of the team. Everyone, both offensively and defensively, looks up to this position as the leader, as the, as the captain. And, you know, I had the situation when I was in Atlanta with Matt Ryan. He was Matt, drafted. Matty Ice. Yeah, Matty Ryan, number three pick overall. He came in a similar way. You know, a guy who's fiery, but at the same time, he's not going to get too high or too low, uh, continue to get better every single week. And I see that in Sam Darnold. He doesn't make the same mistakes twice. I think he has a great composure, great moxie, and obviously has the accuracy to make every throw on the field. You know what I liked about Darnold's game is that not flashy numbers. The touchdowns were flashy, but he completed 10 passes. But when you think about the efficiency, the guy threw three touchdowns. And some guys might have difficulty getting in a rhythm because they're handing the ball off a lot. He wasn't flustered. He said, I'm going to let the game come to me. And he told us last week, you know what? I'm seeing the field better. It's going to come. And it did. And it did. And, you know, it was funny because he got better the last week against Jacksonville. As much as Jacksonville got to him, they, you know, they pressured him. It forced him to, to see his decisions quick. He made great decisions. Uh, he got the ball out quick. And I think that all he needed was a little bit of time. You know, unfortunately, they didn't get the run game going. They were playing from behind. The defensive line pinned their ears back and went after the quarterback. He didn't have that opportunity to go through his reads, make his progressions, and, and throw accurate passes. This week, it was different. They ran the football well, set the tone offensively, and Calvin Beecham said it. When you start to tee off on those D linemen, they're a little hesitant to get into their pass rush because they don't want that three, those two 300-pounders double-teaming them and driving them to the next level. Okay, so tell us what's happening defensively up front against a zone stretch team that the Jets have become now? It's tough. You know, everyone has to be extremely disciplined in their gap control. You have to stay in the gap. You can't poke your head around, get nosy. You have to trust that your teammate is going to be in his position. You have to hold your position. Make sure, that if you're a teammate, you have to make sure that you are accountable to your team and have your gap. That's very tough, especially when you start to stretch it. You start to stretch it laterally. People start trying to cut in and make plays. That's when you get the creases. That's when you get the big runs for the does, offense. Does Crowell, who had a franchise record, 219 yards rushing, remind you of anybody? I have some Jets fans come up to me and say, I see a little Chris Ivory in him. Mm -hmm. He has a little Chris Ivory in him, but I, I think he is a little more explosive than Chris Ivory. I see a little bit of Thomas Jones, a guy who I played with, who's physical at the point of attack, but at the same time he can make you miss, and when you get, give him a crease, he has the, the speed to break it for the long one. Don't forget about Bilal Powell here. Oh, absolutely. I, I, to me, they're 1A and 1AB. However you want to put them, however you want to stack them up, who's going to lead the team in rushing at the end of the year? Who cares? 
They're bo they both can be productive for you. And the other thing about Corwell that I think people don't know and maybe they're sleeping on opposing defenses, he's got pretty good hands. He does have great hands. And that combination of, of Corwell and Bilal Powell is, is phenomenal. You know, I know that from playing the free safety position, when Bilal Powell's lined up in that, in that dot position, when they hand him off the ball and there's a crease, that is your worst nightmare. He's a guy that can make you miss in a phone booth. I mean, he has, the, he has the ability to break you down, you know, when you're going up to make that tackle. And he has the speed. If you do make a mistake, it's go, he's going for 80, and it's going to be a touchdown. All right, there is a danger that can't get inside the Jets' locker room at one Jets drive this week of people saying, it's the Colts. They're rebuilding. We got this one. Caution the fans right now because this is a week-to-week -week league. As bad as the Jets look against Jacksonville and as good as the Jets look against the Denver Broncos, this is a whole new story this week. Yeah, you know, in the NFL, that, that margin between the, the very good teams and the bad teams is very thin, and it can be a week-to-week -week basis. You looked at it last week. Denver had a top-ten rushing defense, and they got creased by the Jets. Now, going into this game against the Colts, you know, you never know what you're going to get. You just have to stick to your fundamentals, stick to the script, and go out there and execute. All I know is when I saw a couple of those long runs by Crowell, I paused the film. I saw a hat for a hat, and I saw that the Jets' offensive line was about three yards into the Denver defense every play. All right, so what are we going to see from the Colts' defense? I'm not, uh, I'm not asking you here early in the week to talk about their personnel as much as their system. Mm -hmm. Because I've talked to people in Indianapolis earlier this week, and they said they're playing it similar to what you saw under Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith. That means a 4-3 cover two. They don't want to give up the big play in the passing game. What does that mean as far as breaking it down for the fans? What that means is when they're playing that cover two, that means that there, there is a light box. And that's more opportunities for big runs. This is a, a defense that's built for speed. Yes. They have a lot of speedy linebackers, some, some good safeties who can come tackle the ball. But at the same time, it's going to be a great opportunity for the Jets to continue to establish that run game. And although they're, they're playing deep for those, those chunk plays, the intermediate routes, Quincy and Nunwa across the middle, uh, Robbie Anderson running intermediate routes, Jermaine and Jermaine Curse, Curse yes. a guy who we haven't had seen a big game from. It's going to be great once they get Jermaine Curse, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson, Quincy and Nunwa get every all the receivers involved and I in think the game. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I think it's coming for the tight ends too. Mm -hmm. I know people are asking about Chris Herndon. I, I think it's only a matter of time for that rookie. Yeah, when you when you complete ten passes and run the ball for over three hundred yards, you know, the, I don't think anyone's gonna be complaining in, in the receiver corps or the tight ends. You know, that's the game plan. Sam, there's only so many balls, but he does have a ton of weapons. And sooner or later, he's going to hit all of them, and it's going to be clicking on all cylinders. All right, we got about a minute left. The Jets will honor the Super Bowl three team this weekend. Wearing all whites and the gray face mask that nice. you saw January 12, 1969 at the Orange Bowl when the Jets took down the Baltimore Colts 16-7. When you think of that team, what comes to mind? I, I mean, just history. You know, that, that's one of those teams. You know, you think of Broadway Joe. You, you know, you think of all the, the success that they had. You know, really, uh, they ran New York at that time. Sure. And, and I think the New York Jets organization, all the players in that locker room, can't wait for that day that, that these present New York Jets are Super Bowl champions and they can establish themselves nationally uh, you, 
and, and win that Super Bowl. You know, that's what we all dream for. You know, I never made it to the Super Bowl. I know every player in that locker room has dreams and is going to continue to work until they make it to that, that big game. It is going to be an incredible weekend because more than 30 members of that team and their family members will come into Florham Park on Friday. On Saturday, they're going to visit with the team after their walkthrough. And then Saturday night, MetLife Stadium is a special dinner that we will stream live on NewYorkJets.com and on the Jets platforms where Chris Berman, the Swami himself, will host a Q&A. And then finally, Sunday at halftime, they will come out and they will be properly applauded and saluted 50 years. That's, that's one of the most memorable sports moments of all time. That's, that's beautiful right there. And when I look at all those players that were on that team, they laid the foundation for, for myself, for, for the Jamal Adams, for all these players that play now. They're the ones that put in the work early to establish the Jets as a, as a strong organization, and they've done nothing but continue success ever since. They changed the football world. And at the Miami Touchdown Club, when they told Joe Namath, you're going to get your butt kicked, and he said, no, we're not. I guarantee it. I guarantee Eric Coleman and I will be back here next week. Thank you so much. We're signing out.